What's going on, everybody? Proud to announce the Spotlight Sports Network are partnered with SeatGeek. Save $20 off your first order for live events, concerts, and sporting events, and more. All you have to do is just insert the promo code Spotlight Sports Network to save today. Again, that's Spotlight Sports Network and save $20. from Las Vegas. The Snake Sports Talk Show with Jake Silva starts right now. All right, ladies and gentlemen. We are finally back here on a Sunday for you. Yes, NFL games, and we got so much more primed up here on the one-hit show on the Spotlight Sports Network. That is the Snake Sports Talk Show. Wherever and however... You may be watching and listening. We are live in the 702 on all all uh, all media platforms: Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram, and also on iHeartRadio. That's where you can like, follow, and subscribe to get all of the best of future and past shows. Of course, on this very show here. Ah. Uh, well, I can tell you guys, fresh from vacation, and man, I am just pumped to be back here on the air, pumped to be back here into the um, the booth, and I'm really, really excited about what I'm about to talk about today. Um, but by the way, vacation was really good. Uh, first time in Colorado, by the way. Um, my fiance and I had a great time out there. The weather was beautiful. Uh, 75 to 80 degrees it was um, from the last week. We left on Thursday, came back Monday, and uh, we're just now back to being, um, we're just now back to being in reality again. Desert heat, all the rest of that stuff, but 
it was a much needed vacation. We both had a great time. Uh, the wedding we attended was beautiful. Um, and I love that stuff. I love outdoor stuff. I love like all the, um, you know, rustic cowboy kind of theme. Um, that's just how both of us are. That's both of our interests. But, um, but of course, uh, letting everybody know as well, if you haven't done so already, check out SeatGeek. Um, Spotlight Sports Network now has a partnership with SeatGeek where you can get 20% off of your ticketing purchases. And that's for all events, sporting events, um, live concerts, and so much more that you can look at when you go to SeatGeek. So don't lose your seat. Go to SeatGeek.com. And that is Spotlight Sports Network for the 20% off. Uh, before I start off, first of all, I do want to put a congratulations to here in the hometown of Las Vegas, our ladies, the Las Vegas Aces, for being the WNBA champions after defeating the Connecticut Sun. Um, it was a well-deserved championship win for the Aces and the first ever in Las Vegas history. I'm very proud of these women. I'm very happy and have could not have been much more proud of the fact of their hard work, their dedication, and what it took to winning the championship, and they finally got it done. So congratulations, ladies. You guys have definitely deserved it, and you've made the city of Las Vegas proud to now be the official championship city in the nation. So I've been very excited about that, but I definitely got to go and get myself geared up. All right, so... um First of all, what I want to talk about here to start the show off. So, um, you know, we watched the Thursday night game with the Steelers and the Cleveland Browns. First and foremost, we watched both these quarterbacks and you knew exactly what you were going to get with both of these quarterbacks under center. You had Mitch Trubisky and the Steelers side, and then you had Jacoby Brissett with the Browns both of which who I think are very dynamic backup quarterbacks. Both, I think, could very much win you games when you know that you need it and especially can step into a role that can help to kind of keep the flow of the game rolling for the offense. But are they really the dynamic quarterbacks on both sides? No, they are not. Jacoby Brissett has been in this league long enough, and he's learned. He's learned from Bill Belichick in New England He's learned from Frank Reich in Indianapolis and to the point of here he is in Cleveland filling in for Deshaun Watson, who's suspended until week 12. And so to me, Cleveland right now at this point, all of their games are getting bailed out by tough defensive plays. You watched what Thursday night gave you. It was tough defensive plays and they were just all over the place. I mean, Pittsburgh's offense, right now it looks like a, you know, a pop gun offense. This is what you get when you don't have Big Ben or a Terry Bradshaw there behind center. And that's what the Steelers really have to kind of come to terms with. And my question of it is, is it time to start Kenny Pickett? Many of resources, many of fans have all spoken out and they all would want to see Kenny Pickett play. Here's the tough part for Pittsburgh. They all have put together a pack for Mitch Trubisky. That's why they signed him for a two-year contract. And Mike Tomlin, he's not really that kind of flip-flop head coach because knowing his reputation, he has never lost 
at all. He's never been a losing head coach ever in his career. Two, not the kind that like, because he's dealt with Big Ben for years, not the kind where now he gets a brand new quarterback and it's already time to switch and we're already in week three. I think you're probably going to see Kenny Pickett might be in week five weeks, week six. But this offense right now, it's not flowing downfield. It's not getting past 20 plus yards on passes. And I think a lot of that, too, may end up being because of the reality of Mitch Trubisky, very much a conservative quarterback. We all know how Trubisky came up into this league. First of all, he was traded up from to Chicago for draft picks. And he ended up being the number number two overall draft pick in the draft. And that's over Deshaun Watson. That's over Patrick Mahomes. We all know the story. And we all know sometimes Chicago just loves to butcher their quarterbacks because they're such a defensive organization. That's never been um, the root causes. But that has always been the history. And now looking at Mitch Trubisky after leaving Chicago goes on and is a backup for um, for Josh Allen in Buffalo. Kind of learned some things here and there from, from Brian Dable and Sean McDermott. After that, takes a two-year contract. And again, I'm sure that he definitely could get himself a job considering that he is a top-quality backup. But now in this scenario with Pittsburgh, this is too much of a pop-gun offense because look at all around you. You have Najee Harris. You have Chase Claypool. You've got George Pickens, who made the unbelievable OBJ catch, which everybody cannot stop talking about. I mean, that was kind of the highlight of the whole game, and they lost. Like, I don't I don't overhype myself over one catch. I hype myself for when they win the game. That's what I care about. Then that catch could seem more valid than anything else, but it wasn't. Only though it was more of an individual highlight than it was a basically of a whole team highlight. If the team had won, it'd be a different story. But you have George Pickens, and then you also have Pat Fryermuth, the wonderful tight end from, uh, from Penn State, and then you also have Deontay Johnson. So you have offensive weapons there that are capable of being more than like less than 20, 20 yards downfield. They're capable of going more than that. I don't understand it with the way that kind of Pittsburgh kind of play in this thing. But I do understand what Mike Tomlin is doing. And Tomlin's the kind of guy that, as I've said, keeping his coaching reputation and the way that he's kind of playing this whole thing out. He does not want to end up flip-flopping that early on because you have a two-year contract with Mitch Trubisky. And, of course, there's promises of you want to make sure that he has at least majority of the starts. And what you could do is get him to the point where he's struggling He's not exactly moving the ball downfield and everybody's watching Kenny Pickett at, 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 at camp and at practice and he's throwing balls deep downfield. People love watching Kenny Pickett at practice. So there's a lot of things that you can make those adjustments for Pittsburgh. But after watching that game on Thursday night, I knew what I was getting with Mitch Trubisky and I knew what I was getting out of that game, period. Both defenses were going to bail out their offenses big time. It just so happens that Cleveland, and right now they're 3-0, and they managed to keep their, def- their defenses strong. They managed to keep them there. One of my biggest things about Cleveland is they've got great, they got great secondaries. 
They got an unbelievable pass rush in Miles Garrett. They've got a great front. There's nothing I don't like about Cleveland. Ultimately, they are just holding this thing on for as long as they possibly can. And knowing they're in a North division, sorry, they're in a North division where you've got Lamar Jackson, who's throwing the ball exceptionally well. You've got Cincinnati, who hopefully Zach Taylor will bounce this team back because they need to be. They need to be better. And then you also got Pittsburgh, who at some point that they're going to end up moving on and putting in Kenny Pickett. Let the kid play. I think we might end up seeing him in week five. I don't see this lasting long for Mitch Trubisky. After watching all of this and how much of a pop gun offense that this was for Pittsburgh, it just tells you that much. Like without TJ Watt, you don't have extra pressure that's coming in for Pittsburgh. I mean, maybe Devin Bush, maybe Minka Fitzpatrick, maybe several others. But as far as the offense goes and helping the defense out, this is what's going to happen to your game's majority of the time. You have an excellent defense that your offense is too pop gun and they cannot move down field past 20 yards. That's a problem. Now you have to seriously consider every option. But I'm sure Mike Tomlin's a smart head coach of of handling this and dealing with this situation. But as far as I could see right now, this is a pop gun offense for Pittsburgh. What you see is what you're going to get with Mitch Trubisky. And we've been saying this over and over and over again. I think he's a top quality backup quarterback. But in a position right now where Pittsburgh's trying to find the next big thing, like a Terry Bradshaw, like a Big Ben, this is what you kind of have to do. And I do feel like that this is now opening up the red carpet for Kenny Pickett to make his start. All right. Um, there's one team in particular that I really want to talk about and I really want to be real with. Because here's the funny thing. This has been years and years and years on end. This is after you know, Andrew Luck had retired. This is after they moved on from Peyton Manning and going and getting Andrew Luck in the draft. And here we are right now, years later. And I don't even know if this team could possibly really make the massive jump in a odd, lopsided division in the AFC South. And that's the Indianapolis Colts. Like, I'm telling you right now, I look at this franchise. There's several things that are wrong with this. First of all, it's not the head coach. I think Frank Reich is definitely a smart head coach, former quarterback in this league, who knows how to speak with his quarterbacks. Number two, it's not the general manager. Chris Ballard is probably one of the smartest general managers that the Colts have even had. And to me, it feels like it's wasting his time. And the Colts right now are just in this position but they just cannot end up figuring things out. To me personally, I mean, I look at this ownership and Jim Ursay, I mean, he's a smart owner. You can't discredit that for Jim. But there are times when he gets into his one of his moods, he's a completely different person. And here's the reality you have to look at for the Colts. I look at this entire roster. This wide receiving core is is bottom tier outside of Michael Pittman. You got Paris Campbell, who obviously disappears. 
you have several other options at, on your offenses outside of Jonathan Taylor that they can't even show up in games. So outside of Michael Pittman, who else do you really throw to? And right now, this offense is struggling. They tied against the Texans. They lost against the Jags. Back-to-back South Division games. And already the Jaguars look better than what the Colts do. And lots and lots of people have just have rising concerns about this organization. I do love the head coach. I love the general manager. I do think the owner is a smart owner. But somewhere in between, this organization really has to pivot. And right now, it feels like they can't. Because you had all the opportunities in the world, especially when it came to the free agent market. You had an opportunity to go and get yourselves a wide receiver that could ensure Michael Pittman grows. Right now, it just can't end up happening. I mean, could you imagine Jarvis Landry in this offense? Could you imagine OBJ in this offense? Could you imagine a lot of these other wide receivers in this offense? I mean, this could help Matt Ryan at times because right now, as, a, as far as I see it, and it is a top-quality offensive line, Quinn Nelson a, is a, he, he'll be a Hall of Famer for years to come. And then all the rest of them, they know how to manage the offensive line. This is like one of those, this is like a dream offensive line for quarterbacks. This is so quarterback-friendly that a lot of different quarterbacks would wish that they could honestly have an offensive line like this. I mean, between them, New England, um, Tampa Bay, several other organizations, like they wish that they could have this. But right now we are literally witnessing the age of Matt Ryan. This just has not looked good for this Colts offense. It has not looked better. I don't even know if it'll get better. But this is this is hard. And the Colts have been trying to find their quarterback now for the last few years. Since Andrew Luck had been hurt and retired, they've went through several other quarterbacks and it has not worked out. And in fact, they moved off of Carson Wentz, who was 27 touchdowns, seven picks. And then you boot him off and said that he's the reason that they missed the playoffs after you just lost to the Jaguars in week two, which you haven't even had a winning record against the Jags in years. So it can't possibly be all Carson because right now he's in Washington and I'm going to have my eyes glued on that Philadelphia Washington game because a return back against Philadelphia in his former club it, and he looks good. Seven touchdowns, three picks. He can't be all that bad. So I don't know what the Colts honestly are really doing. I just think we come to realization right now. You, you have, Smart people in the offices, but right now you're kind of wasting their times because I guarantee you if Chris Ballard was to go anywhere else, like if he was to reshape the Giants' front offices or, you know, reshape the Jets or any of those organizations that you know that are hurting for the opportunity to be a better um, organization, he would change it in a heartbeat. And right now the Colts are kind of playing around with fire here. But this has not worked out. And this is why that they need to make a complete pivoting change. The Colts need an, a wide receiver core that's top tier. They also need a lot of different. Um, they need a lot of different options at certain positions. Because right now, I mean, you have Gus Bradley as your defensive coordinator, who's obviously doing all that he can to securing that the defense will be better, and the offense moves downfield. 
right now the offense is struggling. They've only put up 20 points in two weeks. That's it. They got shut out by the Jags, and they tied against the Texans. I don't know. Right now, from the way that I see the Colts right now, the, these are smart people right now that that just this organization just cannot figure themselves out. And I don't know if that's just an Indiana thing, but you know, right now, as far as I see it, the Colts right now, if they cannot figure this thing out, I can't take them seriously because this is already another quarterback that they've had to go through. And right now, Matt Ryan is just showing his age. All right. Um, boy. We got a stacked lineup here today. Uh, coming up next. So, um, so a couple days ago, um, one star baseball player who I've watched for majority of my life, um, Albert Pujols, he finally breaks the record at 700. And I'm going to talk and relive a lot more about Albert Pujols' car uh, career and where it has gotten him to by this time. Going into postseason baseball, it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting, and I cannot wait for it. But that's coming up next, plus two at the bottom of the hour. Um, Jake's prime predictions of week three will be on. Um, man, week two was just rough, folks. After coming off of 11-5 and five in week one, week two was just all bad. And I'm hoping for a really good rebound in Jake's prime predictions in week three. That's all coming up next. All right, so um, <clears throat> so here's what's an awesome thing that we've got going on too. And I did mention about SeatGeek, um, but we've also gotten ourselves a great partnership here on the network where you guys are big-time sports fans. And there's a lot to like about getting yourselves geared up. Lots and lots of cool stuff. So we've got a great partnership with the number one leading sports manufacturer that is Fanatics. Fanatics now has finally partnership with the Spotlight Sports Network and we've got ourselves a code for you to use to get 70% off of all your merchandises to get yourselves geared up. You talk about it, all major sports, hockey, baseball, basketball, football, and several others all in between. They've even got WWE gear and even UFC and golf. Brand new things coming into Fanatics and all 70% off of your purchases. So go online to fanatics.com and use our promo code in the link below and get yourselves geared up to keep yourselves up to date in the up and coming season and of course in the postseason. So be a fan. Rep your team now with Fanatics.
bitch, I'm a bull, bitch, I'm a bull. I don't get no fuck, don't get no fuck. I was in my cup, was in my cup. Full of that punch, full of that punch. Bitch, I'm a bull, ballin' like Kobe. Hope keep it movin' 'cause you do not know me. Bitch, I'm a bull, ballin' like Kobe. Hope keep it movin' 'cause you do not know me. Bitch, I'm a bull, can't talk in Milwaukee. Show my dog sick of me, I ain't do no barking. Pass me some greens, you know I'ma spark it. Mama got ass, told her to arch it. Pull up at the spot, hop out and don't park it. Bino say always keep one in the cartridge. Enjoy your paper, so we goin' toxic. Came from the swamp to visit the choppers. Check out the scenery. Tell her mama to the backwoods, right by the lake. Uh, pressure. Smoking these gas get hectic. I put my bitch in the best shit. Wanna act goofy, stretch quick. Pressure. Smoking these gas get hectic. I put my bitch in the best shit. Wanna act goofy, stretch quick. around the corner you know what that means getting yourselves geared up for all of your favorite merchandises from the show and of course on the network on the spotlight sports network that is spotlightsportsgear.com we've got so much merchandises for you guys i do post them up <clears throat> on all medias as well to get to kind of give you guys a feel all of our stuff hats hoodies t-shirts and so much more, all for men's, women's, kids, and also all the top accessories as well. That's on SpotlightSportsGear.com. Shop, get yourselves geared up, and show your support. When you sit, when you shop now and show off all of your gear, send us a picture, and we will definitely spotlight all of you guys on our social media pages as well as a personal thank you to repping for the network and of course for your favorite show on the network so um so as i mentioned before because postseason baseball is right here around the corner and um and a couple of days ago one of the greatest moments 
that has happened in baseball history has officially happened. And there's been two different storylines. So we know we got Aaron Judge and the New York Yankees waiting to break Roger Maris's record for the most home runs by a Yankee. Because the most home runs ever hit was by Barry Bonds in a single season at 73. Nobody really talks about it. Um, but I remember the years watching baseball and growing up. I did watch um, you know, the the summer, the long ball summer. If you haven't watched the uh the documentary about that, it's a great story. It'll tell you so much about just baseball marketing and their television ratings, what was going on during that 98 season, because that was the time that Ken Griffey Jr., Mark McGuire, and Sammy Sosa were all shooting for the home run title and shooting to be the home run king. Well, Mark McGuire, that was the year where he ended up hitting 70 home runs in a single season before Barry Bonds hit him by three more. And it just tells you so much about what baseball's gone through. And all of just the histories that the that baseball has has seen in years. So, <clears throat> so just a couple days ago in Los Angeles against the Dodgers, um, longtime St. Louis, St. Louis Cardinal Albert Pujols hit home runs uh, six ninety nine and finally seven hundred to rank him amongst one of the greats in baseball history between Hank Aaron, Barry Bonds. And of course, Babe Ruth as the fourth, as fourth ranked amongst most home runs in a career span. And Albert Pujols, when he first came into the league in 2001, I mean, was unbelievable talent. A kid that came out of the Dominican Republic who only practiced with beans. That's what helped with his hand eye coordination. That's what also helped, too, with his plate appearance and so much more. And he mastered that craft for years, spent 10 years with St. Louis, came in at a time <clears throat> where Mark McGuire was on the tail end of his career. I mean, he was a great ball player. Nobody can dispute that. But of course, at a time where PEDs were such a big deal, the steroid era was massive from the late 80s to all the way to the 90s and 2000s. And Albert being a part of that era itself. I mean, but again, he was all natural. He was a kid that came in that everybody watched Mark McGuire play. And then by the time Pujols came in, he was a young outfielder. Um, his swing and his presence at the plate was just immaculate. People couldn't get enough of it. Um, and so for years and years and years. 10 years down the road, he's won two World Series titles in 2006 and 2011. I remember watching the 2011 World Series along with the 2006 between the Cardinals and the Tigers. And Albert's just, a, he's just immaculate. And not only that, but having the cast of characters around him, like Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright. At the time, you had Chris Carpenter as well, who came on with the Cardinals and they've just been an unbelievable team since then. And then in 2011, because it seemed like it was the last hurrah for Albert Pujols in a Cardinals uniform, still put up close to 40 home runs a year. And the team, of course, had a new cast of characters where they had John Jay, they had David Freeze, they had several other different options, and even Alan Craig. 
and most of those guys during October, that's where it really mattered most. And even in the World Series against the Texas Rangers, we all remembered, we all thought that the Rangers were going to walk away with this World Series because after losing the World Series to the Giants in 2010, this was going to be the year the Rangers were going to do it. <clears throat> but it's not easy to winning the World Series either. I think the hardest championship to ever win is the Stanley Cup. That that's that's not even a competition. Because here's the thing, you're playing a seven game series and you're sliding all around the ice, you're taking hit after hit after hit and the pressure is all on. I think baseball as well, when we got postseason around the corner, it is very difficult to win. Very difficult. You got to ask for premier pitching. You got to ask for the offense to pick you up and defensive play. That's really all it comes down to. It's all a team effort. And because then it goes down the list where you got the NFL, you got the NBA. Every single championship always has its level of toughness. It always does. <clears throat> but the Cardinals were able to spring themselves out of the dead and come back to win and win the World Series in 2011 at four to three in the series. So then here's Albert as an LA Angel as well, signs a 10 year contract, massive amount, 300 million on the contract. And he's already on the tail end of his career, which I've said several times about the St. Angels organization. They wanted to fill the seats. But I thought it was ridiculous when they ended up giving him that massive contract. Because first of all, yes, it is Albert Pujols. And for as lengthy as it was, and how much of the production that you were possibly going to get from Albert, that was what was going to be the concern. When he went to the Angels, he looked like a completely different player. Not exactly as similar or the same as the player he once was in St. Louis. <clears throat> but amongst all of that, he went through that long of the tenure of the contract to where they didn't even win a World Series. Hell, they haven't even smelt the postseason in years. They only went one time in 2014, and that's with Mike Trout. That's with a great ca uh, cast, of ca uh, cast of players. And they couldn't end up making it into the postseason. And then Pujols, down the stretch of his career, realized his body was changing, his, he was starting to age, and but yet still was a, was a kind of player that he is very humble, and he's the one that like a lot of people, like he's a fan favorite. Everybody loved watching Pujols. <clears throat> Myself, even watching him playing baseball and watching baseball, like he was by far one of the most immaculate players of my generation. And to seeing him grow from 2001 all the way to 2022, he's lived a, a fantastic career. And to hit 700 home runs, I'm not trying to take anything away from Aaron Judge, but Albert was the one pioneer from here that when it came to home run hitters, I mean, he went through lots of them. Jose Canseco, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Rafael Palmero, Jeff Bagwell, um, Andreas Galarraga. There were so many different home run hitters all around that era. And Albert had been a part of that. <clears throat> and so to me, 
as far as I see it, he's obviously a first round ballot hall of famer and congratulations to him. It was well deserved at the same time. He has lived an immaculate career over a 21 year span. Like it's unheard of for a lot of players, especially in this caliper where he's hit a lot of home runs, never criticized at all when it came to like his health, whether he was on, you know, performance enhancing drugs, none of that. And he always continued to stay humble. He always stayed to consider. He always stayed consistent in a lot of those areas. That's why they called him the machine because he was always somebody that knew how to hit. He knew exactly where to hit the ball placement and also hitting the most home runs in the overspan of his 21 year, uh, career year career. And I have not been this excited, especially for one particular player, whether you are a Cardinal fan or not, whether you were an angels fan. And even at a time as being a Dodger fan where he did it in his former club that he, he played with for a split time, but pool holes really was one of those marks of that era that was a big time fan favorite. And so I think a lot of Albert Pujols of his 21 year uh, year career, watching you play on that ball field and watching you and your plate appearances and how you approach at the plate is one that goes unsaid. Like it will never go unsaid at all. And is one that a lot of us are going to remember for years and years and years, but it also has grown <clears throat> a superior talents around baseball which is one of the most immaculate things I watch. I mean, you watch a lot of these different players, Aaron Judge, um, Alex Bregman, several of these players who come in and they, like these guys were their idols. I mean, you watch a lot of these different players from era after era after era. And a lot of them made their marks. And Albert was more of that guy who was a consistent hitter knew how to hit the long balls and was also somebody that was very humbling when it came to his team because he was willing to do anything to help his team be built for success. And by that, that's what got him the two championships in St. Louis and he'll forever be enshrined between him and Yadier Molina and also Adam Wainwright. Because you got to think you've had two of the same pitchers and catchers over a 326 career span that <clears throat> that they've been the same battery ever since they haven't broke away from each other but watching that i was just like it was a happy moment for albert and for that i'm very happy and i love a lot of baseball stories like this because i it does help me to recall you know in my childhood years watching Albert and watching him play was just absolutely humbling. Such a strong competitor and is one that I think he will definitely enjoy a lot of his retirement for years. And he's definitely a first ballot hall of famer. In my opinion, I think Albert is probably one of the best hitters that I've watched in my generation, seeing how consistent that he has been. I mean, between him and Miguel Cabrera, I mean, those are two those have been two of those big time hitters that you've seen and watched 
Um, but this was a very proud moment for Albert, and I'm very happy for him. Um, <clears throat> so one team in particular is I'm switching this back to the NFL, but um, I've watched them in the two weeks already, and I've talked about them in the last couple weeks where this team, after watching them on hard knocks and how that they're playing this year, they're playing with a lot of heart. They're playing with a lot of determination. And they're also playing with a driven, like a, a, a driven force. They really are. So the Detroit Lions in the NFC North, because right now, the Packers, I, I can't wait to see exactly how that's going to look between them and Tampa Bay this uh, today. You got the you got the Packers and the Bucks, and then you've also got Chicago. You've also got Minnesota, who they've got a new offensive minded head coach, which this kind of seems to work for the Vikings. They were able to beat Green Bay, but they were not able to beat Philadelphia. And from the way that we look at it, in the last two weeks, so. The Lions are sitting third in the most scored offenses within two weeks. And why is that? If you look at this entirety of the roster, because I haven't seen a roster like this for the Detroit Lions in years, not even in the Matthew Stafford time, not even in the Joey Harrington time, not even at times when you had Scott Mitchell or Charlie Batch or either of them. And Detroit was such a laughing stock in the NFL. And this looks like it is a promising roster for years. So I honestly think this could be a roster that could honestly make the playoffs. I mean, DeAndre Swift in 20 carries, he's gotten 20, he's got 200 yards. He's averaging <clears throat> a first down per play. Like that's immaculate. And I've said it to people that because of the last couple of years with DeAndre Swift, this was going to be his breakout year because they upgraded their offensive line and they've also reshaped it during the draft. They also got themselves some great weapons. I think Amonra St. Brown has really showed that he is a true top-tier wide receiver. <clears throat> they got several other options as well. DJ Chark. They've also got... Um, <clears throat> they've also got... Uh, their tight end, TJ Hawkinson as well, which I do expect a little bit more of production from him, but he's also a really good tight end. Very underrated. And Jared Goff, by the way, really productive home quarterback. Like, if you watched in the last of his starts, he's had more touchdowns than picks while comfortably at Ford Field. Now, you either can or you can't take Dan Campbell seriously, but this offense amongst with a defense where they ended up getting Aiden Hutchinson in the draft, and they've also fixed up a bunch of their different components in defense. It's still kind of reshaping. But I've said this on the air. <clears throat> this could possibly be an 8-9 win team. And right now in the span of two weeks, they're kind of convincing me with how their offense is shaping, how this team is really working themselves up. I've been very like I've been surprised so far and I've got them on my prime predictions this week where this is going to be one of those interesting games but I think because of the way this offense has been flowing right now in the last 2 weeks this team could 
very much shoot the uh, shoot for the playoffs. And they've got a really good schedule. It's actually worked it amongst it to where they're playing Washington, they're playing, you know, Chicago twice twice a week, uh twice a year. And <clears throat> and also too, I mean the toughest games, Green Bay and Minnesota. But they could even they could tussle against them several like all around like all around the, just the span of the game. They could face off against them and be in game situations. So to me, I think the Lions this does they're certainly not lying to themselves. They're not lying to us, and I'm not trying to do this pun intended, but this looks like a team that could very much shoot for the playoffs in the NFC with the way this NFC conference has shaped up right now. Because I think this conference runs through the Eagles. It runs through the 49ers. It runs through the Rams. And I also do think there's bits and pieces where it kind of runs through um, Tampa Bay and Minnesota. I don't know about Green Bay. I think Green Bay's got a great defense, but I can't really brush them off that easily. So, but to me, I think Detroit could have a sure shot. And maybe we might think differently about Dan Campbell. Because again, despite having to bite kneecaps and despite having to bring in an actual lion onto the field, um, I, I, I am like, wow, <clears throat> this offense looks completely different. And this is definitely one that I would say has a shot to make in the playoffs. So, all right. So, um, well, we're going to get to the bottom half of the hour for now. Um, Jake's prime predictions week three. I have been primed up about it now for the last couple of days. And thank God I've been able to at least get back into the seat to getting myself back into doing all these prime predictions. But first and foremost, I really do appreciate all of you guys jumping up onto the show, watching it here. Um, I do love your guys' support. And of course, love you guys um, liking, subscribing, following, and hitting the bell button for all latest notifications on the Snake Sports Talk Show. And that's on all medias listed down below. Um, definitely share with me your thoughts, um, like, comment, and so much more. I always do love it when I get feedback from my fans as well. Um, so without further ado, we do have our NFL prime predictions. All odds are provided by Superdraft Pro, where you can um download like a pro, play like a pro, share like a pro with the one sports book and sports drafting daily fantasy app here nationwide, and that is Superdraft Pro. They're also a great sponsor of Caesars Entertainment. Jake's Prime Predictions Week 3. Let's do it. It's Jake's Prime NFL Prime Predictions. Bills at question. Um, I mean, this Bills offense has just been immaculate. They've been used to swinging the home run ball for this team. And Josh Allen in this offense has just been unbelievable. By the way, for fantasy owners, Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs have just been ridiculous to start the season. Already Stephon Diggs back-to-back -back weeks where he's had 40 plus cat like 40 plus points 
with the amount of catches and the amount of touchdowns that he's had. Now, <clears throat> Miami has showed up in several ways. They've been able to beat New England. They were able to beat um, the Ravens, which that was a high-scoring game themselves. But I think in some ways, Miami's going to kind of come down to earth on this one. But it is a tough game. I do expect Buffalo to really come out, show up in this game. I do like what Mike McDaniel has done with this Dol- with this Dolphins I- offense. And I do think Tua, at some point, he's going to really look like his absolute best. He's already thrown six touchdowns in a game. And he's going to be one to making less mistakes. So I'm going to take the Bills here in this game. Even though offenses is going to be a big deal, but I think Buffalo is going to come out with that uppercut, with that home run swing of theirs, and they're going to win this one 33-27. Lions at Vikings. I'm going to take the Detroit Lions here. As I mentioned, their offense is looking legit. Plus six, like it, I love it. Because here's the thing. They're going on the road in Minnesota, and Minnesota had a just a tough time playing in prime time games. They're 2-10. and 10. And Kirk Cousins can't seem to get the job done. But it doesn't discredit what Minnesota's offense could possibly do. But if you looked at Detroit in the last two weeks, they're already 70-plus in scoring offense right now. And Jared Goff had been comfortable at home. Now, it is interesting to see how he'll do on the road. But I like with what DeAndre Swift has done, 20 carries, averaging 200 yards in those week spans. So he's averaging a first down to play. And... So I think the run game will be very important. Now, it is a reshaping Minnesota defense, so I do think Detroit is going to utilize every single one of their pieces on offense, whether they're passing or they're running. So I'm going to take the Lions here with the the plus six, and we're going to give this a win for the Lions. I ain't lying about that. All right, I got to stop with the punts. 27-21, Lions beat the the Vikings here um, on the road. Eagles at Commanders. So I'm liking this game here because Carson Wentz, he is coming home and he's playing against his former club in the Philadelphia Eagles, but I think it's too much to handle against the Eagles. I'm going to take them minus six and a half. By the way, talking about Nick Sirianni and talking about Shane Steichen in this offense, this Eagles team really looks legit. They score up high amounts of points, 38 against the Lions in week one. Plus, they averaged seven points against the Vikings last week on defense. Kaiser White, Hassan Reddick, Jordan Davis, and Nicobe Dean are all hitting on this defense. By the way, Darius Slay in the last couple of games has averaged several interceptions in two weeks. So Darius Slay is clicking. This Philadelphia team as a whole with Nick Sirianni because we all kind of got bamboozled. It looks legit. And I think this NFC runs through them. But Carson Wentz, I think he'll definitely show up in spurts. But I do take the uh, Philadelphia Eagles to win in this game. Six and a half. I'm going to take that. 28-21 is my final score here in the game. Chiefs at Colts. I'm going to take the Kansas City Chiefs here after they came off of a massive win against the Chargers on Thursday night. Um, But it was still like, I mean, they came off of one game between Arizona where they just completely blew off the tires. Now they're coming in against the Colts. And 
the Colts just cannot seem to figure out their offense. They right now have the fewest points that they've scored in a span of two weeks, 20. Like, this is not looking good right now for the Colts, and I've been very honest about where the Colts are going. And the Chiefs right now, without Tyree Kill, Patrick Mahomes has been distributing the football to almost close to 10 different receivers. That's including Travis Kelsey. And that's including Juju Smith-Schuster. So he's spreading the football everywhere that he could possibly give it to. And Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, this is one of those years that the run game needs to be better. Now, I do think Kansas City, they're really going to have at least a little bit of a tough time up on passing. But I think knowing Andy Reid, knowing how he shapes this offense, he's going to figure it out. 28-20 is my final score. And Kansas City walks away with a win on the road in Indianapolis. Raiders at Titans. So two 0-2 teams that they're really scoring off against each other. The Titans right now kind of had a bad taste in their mouth. The Las Vegas Raiders right now with a new head coach, Josh McDaniels, they are trying to figure themselves out. But I'm going to take the Tennessee Titans plus two. I really have loved teams that have been covering in the last two weeks. And another team that I'll show you down the stretch, um, Tennessee right now, they have been averaging at least a couple of points here in the last two weeks, but the offense has kind of felt a little bit staggered. Now, we know that without A.J. Brown, it's a completely different offense, but they do have Austin Hooper, the tight end. Traylon Burks, he's trying his absolute best to be productive, and now it may be tougher for him, but Derrick Henry, too, has been kind of looking a little slow. I do see the Titans' run game busting through this Raiders defense because this has not looked good right now for the Raiders. This defense has not been able to make massive stops, but they do have really good pieces up on the front. But this is where the Raiders really got to toughen themselves up. But I think it might be too much to handle for them. But I'm going to take the Titans here plus two and win this game at home at Nissan Stadium in Nashville, 23-21 against the Raiders. They'll get their first win of the season. Saints at Panthers. I'm going to take the New Orleans Saints here, minus three. First of all, this doesn't seem to be looking right right now for the Carolina Panthers, and it clearly shows. They're a reshaping, rebuilding team, and Baker Mayfield just has not looked like his absolute best. But by the way, New Orleans um, have actually looked really scrappy. They've been really running the football well. Now, Jameis Winston, I know, is prone to make mistakes, but he does have offensive um, options around him. Jarvis Landry, Michael Thomas looks healthy, um, and they've also got a really good tight end. So there are several options for New Orleans to move the football downward. Now, the defense, of course, because they were coming off of a game against Tampa Bay where a lot of heat was brewing up, but the defense looks really, really good. I like with how they're shaping up, regardless of losing their star corner uh, to the Eagles. So I'm going to take the Saints here in this game on the road in Carolina. Might be a little bit choppy, but I think they'll definitely figure out a little of their mistakes. 24-17, Saints win on the road against the Panthers. Bengals at Jets. Okay, I'm going to try to take the Bengals one more time here in this <laughs> in this prime prediction because right now Zach Taylor really needs to work this offense because this has just not looked good at all for the Bengals and for Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow has just been getting sacked in a quote-unquote new offensive line. This doesn't look good. And I think this is a perfect opportunity for the Bengals to rebound 
the defense really does need to get better. And by the way, on the Jets' side, Garrett Wilson scored at least 30 points in fantasy. And right now, the rookie receivers are looking real promising, including Brees Hall, the running back for the Jets. So I'm impressed with what this Jets offense has been capable of doing. So, but this is our last week until we possibly could see Zach Wilson on the field for the Jets. So, but I think this is a perfect opportunity for the Bengals to rebound. Zach Taylor to really rework his stuff. I'll take the Bengals and I'm hoping that this works out. Four and a half points. I like it. 27-20. Bengals get their win against the Jets. Texans at Bears. I'm going to take the Houston Texans to cover at least plus three against the Chicago Bears. Here's what's interesting about the Texans that nobody is even talking about. Because they've averaged several points up on their offense. And Davis Mills is putting the football in all these guys' hands. Especially Brandon Cooks. And especially, too, their tight end Wells. Um... This has been a really, really interesting team to begin with. Now, I know Lovey Smith being that type of defensive coordinating head coach, he really is reworking this defense. The defense has been able to hold the Colts to their absolute extent. They've also been also help, um, holding on their defense in last week's game as well. So I think Houston's kind of scrappy. They might come out of the woodworks in Chicago. Now, remember, Justin Fields, he's going to need all the help that he can get. Getting that win against San Francisco in week one and then kind of coming back down to earth against the Green Bay Packers last week. You kind of know what you're getting with the Bears. So to me, I think the Texans will cover. Three points is more than enough for me. So I'm going to take them to win 23-20 to in Chicago. And the Texans, it's going to be back and forth games. But I do think the defense is really going to hold up against the Chicago Bears. Ravens at Patriots. I'm going to take the Baltimore Ravens here in this game. Boy, that offense looked great from Lamar Jackson last week, even despite the loss against the Dolphins. Lamar Jackson looks comfortable in that pocket, and he's been distributing the football to a lot of different options. Rashad Bateman and Devin Duvernay, this offense for Baltimore, they did explain this. The offensive coordinator said, that we're not going to try to run the ball as much, even though he is very special when it comes to being elusive, being fast, and just being quick on his feet to kind of seeing all the pressure around him. But they are working Lamar Jackson to throwing the ball much more than he normally has. And it's proven. He, I mean, good Lord, if you watched that game, that game last week and you watched that throw to Rashad Bateman, that looked beautiful. So I like the Ravens' chances against New England. Now, New England's going to really, really rely on their defense very heavily against the, the Ravens because you know what this track record is between these two teams. So I think Baltimore is going to come up on top, but I'm changing the score up on this one because I had it 30-20. to 20, But knowing New England being so defensive heavy, I think it's going to be a 24-20 ball game. But I do like the minus three on the Ravens. I'm going to take that there for them to win in New England. Jaguars at Chargers. I'm going to take the LA Chargers here in this game. Now, for everybody who has literally been asking, Justin Herbert, Corey Lindsley, Trey Pimpkins, and all the rest of them are feeling fine. And I know people have had the concern with Justin Herbert with as far as the fractured rib cartilage, but he's worked through it in the past. 
Austin Eckler did come out and say over social media and playing Fortnite that he has worked through this before. So I'm confident that Justin Herbert will be feeling fine. Now, by the way, Jacksonville's offense looks a lot better under Doug Peterson because in the last two weeks, Trevor Lawrence has been distributing the football much faster than where he was last year with Urban Meyer. I think a lot of it kind of had to deal with some confusion communications and mistakes that were made along the way. But Doug Peterson came into this offense. You got him a new offensive line. You got him some offensive receiving options. So Trevor Lawrence looks comfortable. But I do like with what the Chargers have been doing on defense. I just think it might be a little bit too much for Trevor Lawrence to kind of navigate through. But I'm going to take the Chargers to win. 28 to 17 on a minus seven chargers are fine folks trust me i have watched all the reports all the injury reports came back and said that they are healthy so i'm gonna take them to win here packers at buccaneers i'm gonna take the tampa bay bucks here against aaron Rodgers and the packers because here's the thing about it aaron in some displays really misses Devontae Adams and it clearly shows look you go on in a game against Minnesota and you get upset and then you go into Chicago and then it's an easy win and here you are again against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers a tough playoff caliber team with Tom Brady and the Buccaneers are going to find ways to win now they are down a bunch of receivers Mike Evans is suspended for a game Russell Gage is hurt. Chris Godwin is hurt. And they just ended up picking up Cole Beasley. So they've got several other receivers that they could work with, but they're kind of notching down on receivers. Injuries have just been plaguing for this Tampa Bay team. But knowing how strong Tom Brady is and how he can distribute the football quick, I'm sure that he will definitely figure out how he will get his offense rolling through. So I'm going to take the Buccaneers here in this game. And it will be interesting because both defenses are going to show up here in this one. 27-24, Buccaneers win at home. Rams at Cardinals. Last time we saw this team, especially in the playoffs, the Arizona Cardinals just looked ridiculously bad. Kyler Murray just could not end up making any plays off script. I'm going to take the Rams here at minus three and a half. Now, there have been some injuries for the Rams. And it's clearly showing that they're missing that offensive line. But, however, so is Arizona. Arizona's offensive line just does not look great. Cliff Kingsbury really just needs to work how this offense needs to be played. And Kyler Murray's going to do whatever it takes to kind of make off-scripted throws. But the Rams defense, they get themselves Bobby Wagner. And hopefully Jalen Ramsey really fixes things up. But the Rams with their offense and with how that they're moving the football downfield, I am very confident that the Rams will go into Arizona and they're just going to basically punish a lot of the of the Cardinals because I just don't see them taking on all that pressure and especially with a fat contract that Kyler Murray ended up getting before the season started. I'm going to take the Rams here. And now remember, they were close to losing against Atlanta last week, but I do think they're going to fix some things up and Sean McVay is confident that this team is going to look a lot better than what last week gave them. 28-23, minus three and a half. Rams win it on the road in Arizona. Falcons at Seahawks. I don't understand why that the Falcons in the last three weeks have been underdogs. 
I love this. Plus two? They've, in the last two weeks, they're 2-0 and against the spread. Like, this is beautiful for me to take the Falcons. Now, mind you, at some point, they might actually talk about possibly getting Desmond Ritter some some reps. But Marcus Mariota and this offense has really been moving through. Now, Seattle, especially in the last couple of weeks, this has not looked like a really good football team. I don't trust Geno Smith as much, but I do think that there are going to be some spurts of this offense that's going to work for Seattle in some of those ways. But after that, they're going to get limited. But these are two rebuilding organizations. I kind of see this being a little bit of a mess, but in the last two weeks with Atlanta against the spread has worked out in our favor. So I'm going to take the Falcons here plus two, and they'll win this one 23-21. I don't see this being a very dynamic game. I think this is kind of one that nobody's going to really pay attention to it. They're just going to be checking up on the points, and I guarantee you I think Atlanta's going to cover it. 23-21. 49ers at Broncos. So I'm going to take the San Francisco 49ers because now Jimmy Garoppolo is back under center after Trey Lance had announced he has a broken ankle and he is out for the season. It sucks for Trey Lance, but this 49ers offense looks confident under Jimmy Garoppolo. And after you watch Jimmy G throw that touchdown into the end zone, they were so happy and excited. Now, this Denver team just looks like a mess in the last two weeks. They have only scored small amount of points. They got at least close to the fewest points right now in the league. And Nathaniel Hackett, I think part of that is, is a lot of just him being off his skis as a head coach, burning through timeouts, not trusting Russell Wilson to at least get the job done and move the ball downfield. That's tough. So I think San Francisco, their offense and their defense They look like they're primed to win now. They're going to take advantage of that opportunity, and I think Jimmy G is going to shine for this 49ers offense. You're going to see how disciplined and how determined this 49ers offense is going to be. 27-24 in Denver, high altitude. I'm going to take the Niners to win against the Broncos. Cowboys at Giants. I'm going to take the New York Giants here in this one, minus two and a half. Listen, I don't know exactly what I could expect from the Dallas Cowboys. Cooper Rush is their quarterback. And and this De- this Dallas offense just kind of looks really sketched to me. But I love what, what um, Micah Parsons has been doing. He's literally playing every part of the defense. But... But this is going to be hard in an in-division game like this that's kind of a little lopsided. Um, I, but I did see the Giants being 2-0. and Very interesting team. And Brian Dable is doing all that he possibly can to reshape Daniel Jones, reshape this offense, make it better than where it has been in the last few years. So, again, to be a 2-0 and start, this team kind of looks and feels confident. Dallas, on the other hand, I mean, if Cooper Rush has a great game, that's going to really be interesting. Now, I know they're waiting for their time when Dak Prescott comes back after injury to his hand. But at this point, with the way that I look at this offense and this defense of the Giants, I just don't know if if Dallas really has the answers for them. I think the Giants, they're going to come out of the woodworks. By the way, Saquon Barkley has looked the healthiest he's ever been. So I'm going to take the Giants here to win 24-20. to at home on a Monday night. And I just think the Cowboys, they're just not going to have an answer for it. 
All right. Well, that's what we saw here for the prime predictions from here. So going through the list, I've got the favored Bills, the underdog Lions, favored Eagles, Chiefs, and then down to the underdog Titans, favored Saints, Bengals, underdog Texans, favored Ravens, Chargers, Buccaneers, Rams, all the way to the underdog Falcons, and then the favorites, 49ers and Giants. Like, I've been mixing up a lot of underdogs lately. This hasn't been, like, this is one of those years I haven't been able to do that. And right now I'm feeling confident with the Atlanta Falcons. They're 2-0 and against the spread. I don't know what it is about that, but they've been playing so good with it, whether they win or lose but they've been really good as far as against the spread. That's why I'm very confident in how that they're going to shape up against the Seahawks. Cause that's a, that's two rebuilding organizations. Nobody's going to pay attention to, but you are going to get what you're going to see from this, from both these teams offensively and defensively. And they just been so good against the spread. And then you got the underdog lions. Like I said, they're, they're third in scoring offense right now. And for them to be underdogs is like, it's really weird, but I understand it with Minnesota. And I do think though, that with the plus six, I'll take that any day of the week. I do think that the lions will definitely cover those games, but it's going to be interesting to watching both these offenses go. So, all righty guys, that's going to do it for me here on the snake sports talk show. Jake, the snake signing off here, have a wonderful rest of the weekend. And we will definitely see you guys next week on the next edition of the Snake Sports Talk Show. Take care of yourselves, guys. Live from Las Vegas, the Snake Sports Talk Show with Jake Silva starts right now.